he's got he gets to smile every time. I'm a smiling guy. YouTube, what is going on? DA Comics and JP Creations here back with another episode of Webhead's Comic Club. How long has it been since our last episode? You said, what, 10 months? Yeah, like 10 months, I think. Uh, yeah, I think we left off last episode. We were like, yep, we'll be back next week, read these issues, and then we just didn't. Honestly, we gave the viewers 10 months to catch up. Yeah. If they haven't, sadly, that's on you. You had nine ep- or 10 months to watch nine episodes, so, you know. Yeah, you can, that's definitely dope. Yeah, and to read through the, obviously, Steve Dicko era, which we wrapped up with issue eight, or episode eight, not issue eight. Um, but yeah, we're back. Uh, we've been meaning to start this back up again for a little while now. We've been talking about it, trying to figure it out, and then, um, I don't know about you, but definitely the thing that really kind of motivated me to jump back into it was uh the recent passing of john ramita right which is very sad at the age of 93 right he lived a long and successful life it's honestly Uh, it's like it's hard to talk about how impactful like to put into words how impactful like he was on spider-man because like to me at least when i think of spider-man i think of his artwork yeah. And when I think of Spider-Man characters, I think of his artwork. So, so to me, his artwork is Spider-Man, is the Spider-Man universe. So it's just kind of like... You can't, like, obviously you can't take away, like, Steve Ditko's impact on Spider-Man, obviously. But, like, when John Romita took over the series, I feel like that's when Spider-Man really, like, elevated to legend status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, he passed away recently, and we just began John Romita's arc on, on Amazing Spider-Man right before we kind of went on this hiatus on the podcast. I was like... We got to get back and dive back in because I'm ready 100%. to I'm ready to read some of those books and see uh, his legendary art. I mean, just a perfect example. This is maybe a kind of a weird like thing, but when a perfect example of how iconic John Romita's art is, when Stan Lee passed away, I posted the cover to issue fifty, being like, yeah. "Oh, rest in peace, like Stan Lee." So it's like his art is so like hand in hand with Spider Man that like I used that to be like, "Oh." stan lee you know so exactly he's definitely my favorite spider-man artist of all time and the might, for me personally i, might have to I say know you like what bagley favorite. yeah mark bagley's probably for we won't get to him for at this rate you know 10 years but we'll, well get if we to take him. another 10 months yeah we're <laughs> yeah. done for brother we'll get to mark bagley and you know the, in retirement age but um yeah, no, John Romita's is definitely a legend. But um, I mean, the the majority of covers you got back there are all uh, Romita. Got Romita, Romita. This one is signed by Romita. You can't really. I don't know if you can see that one on the camera, but one. definitely. I mean, my wall of fame over here. John Romita's three out of five of them. You got one Bagley books, thing there, so I I would assume you're a fake fan. Oh yeah, that's yeah. signed though, right? Yeah, signed by signed by him. I have a Bagley signature that is like not confirmed Bagley, but it's just. But who fakes is. a bag? Who who fakes a Mark Bagley? Yeah, no, no one. But uh, yeah, so we changed it up a little bit. I don't know what issues in the last episode. Like, if you're watching this down the line and you just watched episode nine, we probably said at the end of that episode what issues we were reading, and that probably changed. Um, so this episode we're diving into issues 41, 42, and forty three. That is correct. Um. We kind of wanted to cut it back a little bit to the amount of issues we were doing per episode because we felt like it was just becoming a lot per episode and a lot of reading and and these books I are think, dense. Yeah, and I also think this, you know, subject, it's it's better to have it to like a forty-five minute 
our episode for our viewers, you know, it's nice. I yeah. Think yeah. Um, so we're, we're shooting for like 45 ish minutes per episode. If you're watching this, you can look at the timestamp and probably see whether we succeed or fail on that goal. It probably but... says two and a half hours. And <laughs> just it's shot like, it. It's like four hours and we're opening the video with like, yeah, we're trying to cut it short. Um, cut it short. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and also like focus a little more on storylines. Cause especially I was looking forward at what we're going to be reading and talking about. And there's a lot of like three issue, four issue, like storylines. You know, where, like, Doc Ock appears for three issues, or the Lizard appears for two issues, or what have you. The Vulture appears for three issues. Yeah, crazy. That's, this, so. uh, this episode's a perfect example, because these three issues, is it felt like a little trilogy. I mean, it was... It's I didn't really cool realize too. that they were so connected for these three. It kind of seems like when John Romita hopped on the book, they started trying to do more multi-issue storylines. I don't know yeah. if that's just a coincidence, but... I don't know. But, connected uh, all three connected very well and then uh, sets up the next two a little bit at the end there so it does and we will uh dive right into it so let's get it started um Maze Fire 41 i believe you have this book as always every episode we show what comics we actually have collected and own for ourselves so he has 41 breaks my heart i right don't i don't remember where i got this when i got this or how much i paid <laughs> it's, it's one it's, of those books you've had for a while I don't even think I had it for that long. I just don't remember where I got this. You know, I can look back in the archives probably somewhere and figure out exactly how much I paid for it. It's true. Uh, when I got it and what the story is, but I forty one is one of those books that like from from the moment I started collecting Silver Age Spider-Man books, I was like, I want forty one. I really like Rhino as a villain, uh, and I just never got my hands on one. And now it's super expensive. Oh, especially now with that trailer. Wait, 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 we that will be a two and a half hour. We cannot. We're not diving down that right. I just saw that today, actually. So yeah, you, you know what we me. should do once that Sinister Six comes out, when it's like all uh, B and C villains with no Spider-Man in it, somehow we should just like do a movie marathon. <sighs> yeah. You know. Anyway, before I uh, lose all faith in uh, the Spider-Man universe of movies. Um, yeah, so we kind of alluded to it already. Uh, this issue 41 is obviously the first appearance of the Rhino. That's kind of the mm-hmm. biggest thing that it is. Uh, and he actually appears in all three of these issues today. Um, but the biggest, uh, to summarize this book, if you haven't read it, which we, of course, recommend you go and read it for yourself first uh, before we kind of give our thoughts on it. But real quick summary of kind of the major plot points of this issue. Uh, Peter buys a like motorcycle but it's like an electric bike kind of thing or motorized bike um betty brant returns uh and her her and peter have a very awkward run-in um j john jameson's son the astronaut is back and there's some kind of shenanigans going on with him and then of course rhino comes crashing in uh him and spider-man fight and also towards the end of this issue after the awkward run-in with betty brant peter kind of sees gwen stacy for the first time which is that really the first time he saw Gwen Stacy? It's the first time he really acknowledged interest in her. I feel like he has before, though. Maybe the first time he's noticed. Yeah, first time he's noticed, but but that's at the end of the issue. So going back and giving our thoughts from the beginning, uh, my first impression when I cracked into this book, that first page, man, that is a novel. <laughs> like I, dude, that's why that's why when we talk, we're talking about about. It's like takes 45 minutes. Listen, I'm a slow reader, okay? I am not, you know, 
a fast reader by any means. But it takes me like 45 minutes to read one of these issues. I'm like, look, Stan, I love you. You're just rambling on and on. And Dude, it's like, insane. I think it really shows how far comics have come in the sense that, like, the amount of unnecessary narration and, like, thought bubbles and things, like, I feel like this was before comics really picked up on the whole show-don't-tell concept of storytelling. Right. Where it's like, you read a comic now and you'll have an entire page with, like, four lines of text, and this has just paragraphs on it's kind of funny in the in the fifth uh in the fifth panel he says after struggling through the last four panels you can be sure of one thing our story cannot possibly move any slower it's like you know what you're doing (laughs) he acknowledged even in the beginning he's like you know most superhero books start with action but not us we have these two old ladies talking that's a classic stan thing to say at this point you know he's gonna come and be like listen we're gonna have action but right now we gotta talk about one thing and that's (laughs) and that's ama and I don't even mind the, like, dialogue, no, but it's, like, you don't have to point it out, Stan. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. He's well, just trying guess, to be self-aware. I mean, it's because I guess it's still supposed to be tar- targeted to just kids at this point. So you want to keep them in line, I guess? Well, that's the thing. So I was recently watching, um, I don't know if you saw it, but a documentary came out on Stan Lee on uh, Disney+. Plus, and mm, uh, I, I was watching I that. It. And basically, like, when they had, when Marvel had their whole, like, rebranding to, like, start doing superhero comics, Stan was like, we're going to write these comics at collegiate reading level. Yeah. And everyone was like, what are you talking about, right? You know, comics are always written for, like, kids. And he was like, no, we're going to, like, and that's why you'll notice that he uses words with, like, three syllables and things like that, which you wouldn't see in comics at the time. And I feel like it shows when you read these books, and it's like it's kind of dense. I actually have a hard time following what they're saying. I mean, sometimes. I'll be the first to admit it. Sometimes I gotta whip out the dictionary because I don't know what the hell this guy is talking about. Some of but it I, is outdated slang as well. I, I think that's what it is. Usually, I'm like, "What does that mean?" And I like look it up. I'm like, "Oh, it's like some weird slang from the '60s." Like, we'll really dive into the weird slang when we get to Mary Jane later, because oh my okay, god, okay, that was the that was the most jarring thing I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. We'll talk about it when we get to issue four. <laughs> But in this issue, I think there's, we've talked about it a lot through the first 40 issues that Sam Raimi literally took like direct aspects from these early issues and put them into his movies. Obviously, the bike is one of them. Mm -hmm. And then the way J. Jonah Jameson acts is with the heart medication or the blood pressure medication, it is what, right? And stuff like that. It's just straight from, well, it's not straight from the the movie. The movie's straight from the comics, but for me, it's backwards, so. The, pretty great. It's pretty awesome to see. J. Jonah Jameson continues to be just like my favorite side character. I know. Because He's not I, a side I character. He's a main character. It shows you how well th- that J. Uh, J.K. Simmons, right? Yeah. It shows you how well that he did playing him in the Spider-Man movies. Because when I'm reading him in this comic, I just read it in J.K. Simmons' voice. And yeah. it's like, it's one for one. Like you said, the like blood pressure and all of that. It's like the exact same character. And he's just so funny. <laughs> like... Uh, he played him so well that literally anytime they have someone in a live action or even in an animated like movie voice him or play him, it's him. So, which is the right choice. No one else could play. Hundred percent. Yeah. So a lot more Sam Raimi uh, stuff going on in here, and then we get pretty quickly to Rhino's first appearance after. Uh, well, uh, J. John Jameson is talking to uh, his son about Spider Man and how much he hates Spider Man, but. Jameson appreciates, or his son appreciates him for saving his life. Obviously, he's going to spend, you know, 
JJ is going to spin it in, you know, Spider Man and set it all up. He's throwing darts at a Spider Man picture. I mean, that's a classic. <laughs> and then we kind of uh, flick to uh, Rhino's first appearance with him stomping through the border, which is not what I expected. Yeah, that that Mexican border man. <laughs> if I I definitely probably read this book when I was younger. I don't remember it at all. Uh, if you give me a million dollars, I would not expect the first appearance of Rhino to be him stomping through the Mexican border. Yeah, I'm like, why was he in Mexico? <laughs> like, because well, well, he is Russian, right? Yeah, he's so he, Russian. I guess he, I guess he decided to 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 get over that way, but I guess um, I don't know. He, I was surprised because I all I had never read this issue before, and I I was obviously familiar with Rhino's like origin. I know he ends up being kind of like stuck in the suit type of thing yeah um i was surprised by how that goes in this but um him just like yeah just cutting to him stomping across the border was like not how i imagined him first appearing and there's almost no dialogue from him other than like i think he says he's going to new york or whatever Um, new york and he just stomps through the border patrol and like we come to learn that he's going to new york because he's trying to get john jameson because he has some spores from outer space which this is obviously foreshadowing. Well, I don't know if it is foreshadowing, but knowing the future of Spider-Man comics, John ends up becoming Man Wolf, right? Man Wolf, so yeah. Is this connected to that? I don't really know. The so I was going to bring that up too because if you look and we'll get it to issue forty-two, I think it's the same suit. Man Wolf mm-hmm. wears the same suit. I looked it up. Uh, first, I was like, "This is very similar looking to the Man Wolf suit," and I looked it up, and I was correct. Okay, yeah, because I don't know a lot of the history of Man-Wolf, so as soon as they started talking about, like, space spores on John or whatever, I was like, oh, this is going to lead to his transformation. Uh, My guess is that since that's, like, in, like, the 120s or 130s, maybe, yeah, I think his first appearance, I'm going to guess that they took what issue 42 did and ran with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, so bullets can't stop the rhino, and if I had a dollar for every time that is said in these three issues, I would be a millionaire. Um, constantly reminded that he is indestructible. You could play a drinking game for take a shot every time they say that my bullets won't hurt him. Uh, every time Peter says, man, if I had an apartment (laughs) yep, and, and you would die by the end of reading these three comics. So that's one other thing in the, in these issues is that Peter wants to get an apartment, but won't because of Aunt May. It's a classic, like. Oh, I want an apartment, but who's gonna stay with Aunt May? And then, meanwhile, Aunt May's being invited to move in with uh, what's her face, Watson, Anna. Yeah. Um, and she's like, "Oh, I'd love to, but I can't because what about Peter? Like, they both kind of like it would work out perfectly, mm-hmm. but they're not communicating. They're a little out of sync. Yeah, and they won't uh, talk to each other about it because they're so just like, yeah, that's a hundred percent a fact. Is that she wants me here, so I, th- you know, and I should stay here with her and. He, you know, needs to, you know, um, who's going to take care of him if he doesn't live here? Yeah, because, you know, we all know Peter's so frail and can't take care of him. Which, again, she continues to mention that he just lives a, uh, dull, you know, dull and boring life, pretty much. I think she says, not those exact words, but um, Wino smashes through everything um, in his way. He is actually super strong. So it's a suit that is pretty much like glued to this guy. Pretty much, yeah. Like and gives him the power damaged. of a rhinoceros. Um, we don't get his origin until issue 43, but in, like, issue 41, Spider-Man's like, if only I knew his origin, like, I'd be able to... <laughs> it's like, all right. So I'm guessing we'll get to that. 
he says that and then i think like the police say it in like issue 42 when they're like yeah. trying to keep him in prison they're like man if we knew his origin <laughs> like, <laughs> if he knew his origin people story. don't talk like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no way anybody's saying that so obviously since um rhino's trying to go after jj's son because of the spores he um makes contact with spider-man they have their big fight and spider-man's big idea since rhino's obviously much stronger than him is just to tire him out because his punches don't hurt him at all don't knock him back at all his webbings do nothing if you've and, ever uh, played a Spider-Man video game and had to fight the Rhino, this is the comic where they got that fight idea from. 100%. Where it's like, oh, I have to dodge to the side, so he'll smack into the wall and tire himself out. Like, I was reading it and I was like, oh, yep, this is how he always beats the Rhino. I guess this is how it started. But I do want to so, mention, while the Rhino's great, in the middle of this fighting sequence, there is the whole bit with betty brandt now right. i like the rhino as a villain i felt like in these issues he wasn't that interesting for me what really sold these issues to me was the more soap opera elements of spider-man comics with like betty brandt and gwen and mary jane and specifically this scene we talked about it when it happened when it seemed like peter and betty were like done um mm-hmm. and and this issue is basically him solidifying that and being like oh right. yeah but i don't really like betty anymore and they like meet up and it's super awkward i guess um and i th- there was like one page devoted to that it wasn't a whole lot of the story but it was just peter and betty kind of being like awkward and and obviously kind of fallen out of interest i think it's i think it's pretty cool too because it shows also like a very big gap in time too because it's been years obviously across these a uh, mm-hmm. couple issues now which so. it doesn't feel like it but it has <laughs> no, not at all but it's been like a couple of years it's stated i think in these in these issues like oh yeah when when jj's son's talking about when he saved him he's like a couple of years back you know yeah. What I mean? so yeah which i guess in real time yeah it's probably been like what five years at this point five years damn you think you think it's been that long i think so i mean actually more than that because wait when did this issue come out i'm gonna look here well i guess it makes sense in terms of him going from high school to oh college. it's it's been it's been three years in real time yeah i was gonna say like two yeah <laughs> but like, um, that doesn't make much sense <laughs> uh but yeah so that's kind of like the three major plot lines that are established in this issue is like the rhino obviously um john jameson and the spores which that's kind of connected with the rhino and then betty um and and gwen and all of that uh and so the, it kind of cuts in between all of those kind of building up um for but yeah for me i don't know every time it would cut to the rhino i was kind of bored like it I feel like these old action sequences, they kind of become a bit same-samey. And he's one of those classic, like, I'm big and dumb, I guess, so that's going to be another element, which I never liked. I thought of it. it's overdone, obviously, at this point in time, you know, where we currently are, but even with this, I, some of the stuff was... I liked it, but I don't like big, dumb characters. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't get nothing from it. It's, it's, it's good, and obviously, you know, knowing it for the time and all of that, but I feel like at this point we're 40 issues in and we're still kind of just having the like, oh man, there's a villain. Well, I'm Spider-Man. Like the novelty's kind of worn off for me in that yeah. sense. And I'm waiting for it to get to a little bit deeper storytelling, which I know it will. Which it definitely is. You see that, like I said, in every they're other starting section to work that's not the on it. Yeah. They're like starting, like they're having longer narratives and more characterization and like. 
I'm excited to watch that transition because I definitely enjoy the more modern style of comic mm-hmm. book than like the classic. Um, just from a reading perspective, I'm also really excited to continue to see the evolution of some of these characters. Like to continue continue to see the evolution of Ryan L. Mm-hmm. Not only in 43, but whenever he appears again, which I don't even know when it is. Yeah, um, is going to be fun to to read. When does he appear again? I have to look at it because I again I was looking at the covers from like this to like a hundred and I did not see him in the cover at least. It's but granted, I didn't think he was going to be in issue forty two, at all. Anyways, yeah. Um, another big takeaway that I'm kind of noticing as I'm flipping through forty one here, um, something I noticed a lot, and I don't know if this is John Romita or if this is the letterer. Um, the I don't know the word for it, but like the splash words, the buzzwords, the sound effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They really just went buck wild with those. They're and huge. I feel like I really noticed them a lot more. And Spider-Man, like, kind of acknowledging them a few times. Yeah. Where yeah, he was like, weird. part of the reason I do this job is so I can just hear the wacky sound effects. And it's like, pow! And then at one point he, like, says what the sound effect is. And it just, like, felt really, yeah. like, meta. I don't know. Well, it was kind of cool with uh, the Rhino, at least, because whenever he runs, they do stomp, stomp, stomp. And there's just a big stomp, like, all over the panel. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and they like just that. have all these, like, action shots of, like, uh, I'm looking and seeing a few of them. We have Thrump, Walk, Brack, um, so, Batum, Bach, when he gets kicked in the face. Uh, so that's definitely, but yeah, the big stomps, I just feel like, I, I assume it's the letterer. I feel like he knocked it out of the park with some of these, because they're just, like, very, I don't know, very classic. I love it. I think it's pretty cool, especially with a big character like the Rhino, all these big sound effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do like that. Even with uh, JJ, like pounds his fist at the end of the issue, and it, it does a thump, yeah. <laughs> which I don't think I've seen yet. He's, he's thumping even harder than ever. He's thumping around. Um, but yeah. even after, so so he defeats the Rhino by um, tiring him out, right? Pretty much um, saves JJ, son, mm-hmm. uh, because obviously the Rhino went and captured him and tried to take him back to uh, his homeland or whatever. He, wherever he was going to take him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jameson came back and said, it's still Spider-Man's fault. Once again, he's still Has, a mess. Hasn't changed. He can do no good. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting because we had that whole, I forget what issue it was, where we kind of dived into the like psychology of JJ. I think it was the issue with the Spider-Slayer. Like, like the second in, appearance in of Spider-Man in the Spider-Man? 20s, or 20s or whatever. yeah. The yellow with the with him uh, on the on the yeah, on the, uh, I think robot, it's that issue. Whatever, I think it's 25 as well. Um but yeah, I mean we talked about it a lot in that episode where like they really dived into the psychology of JJ and like why he hates Spider-Man. And I I hope that we explore that more soon cuz as much as I enjoy JJ, it's like at some point it's kind of the same thing over and over right. again. So I hope we kind of get a little bit more depth there. He's getting funnier, though, and he's getting more entertaining, I feel like. I think Stan's getting kind of more comfortable writing him. Yeah, so it's it's, it's fun. Um, At the end of the issue, um, we see some more Gwen and, and Peter and Harry and Flash, but the real thing that gets me excited is when they finally make date to meet Mary Jane. Now, Where, I, now I know you're excited to meet Mary Jane. I'm excited man. about Gwen Stacy, personally. Like Mary Jane's great. We'll talk about her because she gets weird. 
But this is where Peter first starts kind of catching a, a vibe for Gwen. Now, Peter being the womanizing uh, uh, 60s man that he is, you know, he's, mm-hmm. just, he's just crushing on all the ladies. But specifically, like, here, he's, he's thinking about how he's moved on past Betty, and he's like, uh, I think specifically he says, where is it? Ah, was I ever so wrapped up in Betty that I couldn't see this living pinup under my nose? Mm-hmm. Living pinup. You gotta love it. I also like in, the, in this entire issue, he sees Betty, and then throughout the whole issue, he goes, I haven't even thought of Betty. I haven't even thought of Betty. You keep saying, like, I haven't even thought of her. It's like, you keep thinking about her, saying you haven't thought about her. Try, trying <laughs> to convince funny. himself a little bit. I feel like Stan was really just trying to drive home, like, Betty Brant. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, setting up for, obviously, in the next couple of issues. But, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm Like, I have a basic understanding of Peter and MJ's history, I'm interested to see him and Gwen's because I don't. I've read very little of the comics mm-hmm. with him Me and too. Gwen, so like I'm interested to see like when does he actually like ask her out? When do they actually start kind of dating? Like what's the? Why does he choose her over I guess Mary Jane or mm-hmm. even I guess you can say Betty Brant, but we already know that's kind of over and done with. So right. So I'm. I'm yeah, it's gonna be cool to see. to see. It's gonna be very fun to see. But right now she's still at the stage where she's like doesn't know if she likes him or not. She knows. sometimes, yeah, but yeah, but she's kind of like to herself. She's like, you know, almost like he's like too cocky at some points. A little bit. I mean, she has that one moment where she's like, um, "Peter Parker, what on earth has changed you so?" Right. And his thought bubble is, "Those eyes, those lips. She's too much." <laughs> yeah. She's still drawing very interestingly. Obviously, at this point, I think. Romita's trying to mimic uh, Dicko's art. Right. Because I know he tried to do that for a while after. Mm-hmm. seen him saying a couple interviews. So she still looks a little very different. Different than very what we know her as. Right. She doesn't get, she doesn't have the headband yet. Mm-hmm. She has a much more, I guess, sharp looking face. and A little meaner looking. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we'll see when that kind of changes, because that must just change, like, like on a dime. Maybe. Yeah. Or one day so, she just decides to wear a headband. I hope he goes, and you have a headband on today. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps up issue 41. Uh, I liked this issue, but I would say it sets up the story for the next couple issues, which I think I liked more. I would agree, 100%. I didn't think I was going to really be too interested in 42, and I was very interested in 42. Yeah, I was surprised by that one. I thought this one was going to be, like, the best one, and I, I would argue it's probably the worst, not worst, but, like, the least exciting one of the three. 100%. Um, I don't know if we're still ranking them, but... Uh... I think we'll do it at the end. We'll rank them at the end, but okay. I think I, I... I would like to guess yours. Venture at guess? The at the end or right now? Well, I can, I can take a guess right now. Yeah, go for it. Oh, this is going to be hard, actually. I want to do it at the end, because I, I, I want to... Okay, right now, I can change it. Okay, you tell me at the end. But right now, I'm going to take a I'm gonna take a stab at it. And I'm going to say 42, 43, 41. Okay. But I feel like at the end of it, it's going to be 43, 42. Well, let's see. Let's but dive I'm... into uh, the next one. Yes, issue 42, which is the birth of a superhero. Mm-hmm. And the cover shows um, J. John Jameson. What's his J. J- oh, Colonel Jameson. That's pretty much what they John, call him. Does yeah, he have a name? John. John Jameson, right? John Jameson. Yeah. I keep saying J.J.'s son. 
John Jameson. He really went for the alliteration. It's like J. Jonah Jameson and John Jameson. <laughs> um, him, him punching Spidey in some weird suit. And can I tell you, for my whole entire life, I didn't know this was John Jameson on the cover. Yeah, I didn't put that together either. Until I started reading this and what was happening, I was like, oh. Even then. <laughs> I just never put two and two together. I never like, like oh, wait, that's John Jameson. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really look like... I mean, it's just and, kind of a generic white guy. like. Yeah, exactly. This, this could be three of the other Spider-Man villains we met so far. Yeah. Well, anyway, in this issue, give a little synopsis for you guys. Um, we pretty much continue to follow the three topics we've been talking about. Uh, we see the effects on the spores, the spores on JJ. Finally, obviously, we've been talking about it, talked about it a lot in 41. We see how that ends up turning out. Um, we see the doctors and officials dealing with the aftermath of issue 41 with the Rhino, and we have the first appearance of Mary Jane, as well as some more Eddie Brandt and uh, Gwen Stacy stuff going on. So, part two of this three-part story we got going. It's yeah. building. A very good issue. Uh, as always, from our personal comic collections, I have my issue 42. I believe you have one as well. I do. Uh, yours is probably in a little bit nicer condition, it looks like. Mine's a bit rough, you can uh. see. Mine seems like it has like a minor. I don't know if that's a tape pull or someone like tried to wash. <laughs> Mine does have one interesting uh, uh, fun fact from uh, comic collecting uh, for any novice collectors out there. So mine you'll see has a, a crease right down the middle of it. And I remember when I bought that as a kid, the the guy at the shop explained to me that crease is from when uh, people used to have like subscriptions to a book and they would mail them each new issue. They would fold the comic in half, and like and rubber band it and ship it that way. And so, if you ever see like that crease down the middle, that's because someone had it like as a subscription, and that's just kind of how it got done that way. I don't know if that's one hundred percent true, but that's what I was told. Uh, and that that's always, what I've heard as well. The subscription crease—that's what they call it. Yeah. So. It's honestly pretty cool if that is what that is. You know, you you have a book from a. Uh dedicated spider-man fan that's why yeah i don't i don't mind that type of damage because i'm like it, it adds to the story of the book that and like the you know when you see stamps like date stamps whatever those stamps are on the... i love date stamps yeah yeah but uh yeah fun fun comic collecting fact um but yeah Again, you pretty much covered don't uh, know, the story don't know where i got this don't know how much i paid for <laughs> it and don't know i don't know i think i got this from a store uh, i think i got this from uh from john I feel like I have it. I think I feel like I have it. That kind of sounds right, yeah. Um, Lee Kirby Dicko Comics. Anybody who knows him, he's still around making uh, making videos. Yeah, shout out. Uh, we used to do a lot of trades and purchases through him. And I believe, if I remember correctly, maybe 41 is as well. Maybe. I don't. These two issues might be from him. He is obviously watching right now, so if you want to leave a comment down below, you yeah. can. Let me he, know. He's I'm our sure biggest he's, fan, of course. I'm sure he's watching and remembers exactly the books he sold to me about six years ago. Yep. Probably longer than that, actually. Yeah, if we could actually get an itemized invoice, that would be great. Yeah, that would um, be great, so put that down below. No, I know exactly what I got from him. I got my issue three. And right, my and awesome. my 50. We were talking about John Romita. My issue 50 from him. I got my two from him. Yeah, he's his and comic eight. collection is insane. We're showing the comics we have. You want to see an insane comic book collection? You go check out League. That's just ridiculous. Comics. Yeah, that's ridiculous. But um, but yeah, you pretty much covered the story of this issue. Uh, it's starts off. What I liked about this issue is it started with the very first scene was Spider-Man robbing a bank, and it kind of did the whole like 
oh, what's going on here? Well, I guess we'll have to find out over the course of the story. Yeah. And that actually intrigued me more than I thought it would, to be honest. Like, I was yeah. actually kind of like, oh, what's going on here? Let's let's see where this goes. Uh, so, yeah, it starts with him literally robbing a bank and then throwing the bag into the, I don't know, what type of river or the water river, that is. But, yeah. Um, and then just goes straight to the story. So, like, it's just that's just like, hey, this is a little thing we're going to explain later. It doesn't really have anything to do with the story itself. Well, it, um, it is kind of the hook to get John. Basically, John's spores make him super strong, and then he goes, everyone thinks Spider-Man robbed a bank, so John is like, oh, well, J. Jonah Jameson convinces John to, like, go stop him as a superhero. And so that's, like, that's its only real involvement in the story, but, like, contextually, it's so out of nowhere when it happens, <laughs> which is one thing we didn't. Point. One thing we didn't mention as well is this whole time John Jameson has, like, security guards around him at all times to not only watch him to see if the spores do anything to him but protect him from people like the rhino or which, anybody else who wants to get their hands on him which they did a horrible job of. they did absolutely let me think yeah, they did nothing yeah they had they helped at all, not at all no not at all zero times that they help um they literally just were there to be like oh god Something's happening. Or we can't stop the rhino. Here he comes. Our bullets can't do anything to him. No, the bullets will not do anything to him. <laughs> uh, which, uh, every time they say that, I'm just like, there's a big face hole in his hide. Like, Okay, so I literally put a note on this. In this issue, um, we see a couple, maybe like maybe a page of like the rhino stuff going on, a page or two. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sedating. So they have him in like custody, pretty much. And they're like trying to sedate him. Or like they know he's gonna wake up soon, they're not gonna be able to, to you know, uh, contain him. So they like maybe we should like you know sedate him, and they're like, well, I can't get this needle through his his, his thick hide. It's like there's a big face, <laughs> just stick him in the cheek, in his forehead. I'm looking at doing? that panel right now. They're looking just, at his face, and they're no, like, no. nothing can pierce <laughs> that skin of his. It's like, and he's just like, <laughs> like sleeping. <laughs> it's like. First of all, yeah, sleeping gas. You guys have that idea later. Why didn't you start with that? And second of all, again, like, they just keep shooting their guns, and they're like, they can't pierce his hide. I'm like, aim for the head. <laughs> like, <laughs> did you learn nothing from Thanos? Come on. The the big square uh, hole. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I it's, it's a silly comic book. I can't take it too seriously, but, like, it just felt kind of silly that they're like, his hide, his hide is impenetrable, and I'm like, his face is right there. Yeah, it's actually it's very comical. But he escapes, and he's like, "I'm off, I'm off to, I'm off to the races." But then they have the, like the sleeping gas, pretty much. He es- and they knock him back out. He escapes as he's being assigned his lawyer, Foggy Nelson. Foggy Nelson, which is pretty cool. Yeah, a little a little crossover there. What was the other? Uh, there was like two crossovers in these books. I'm trying to remember. It was Daredevil. No, yeah, Daredevil and Foggy, but then wasn't there another character? I don't think so. Huh, I don't know. I feel like I remember, but... Um, but yeah, Foggy Nelson just shows up, which I guess they were like, oh, we need a lawyer, so we'll just throw him in. It is interesting that they got Foggy and not Daredevil to do it, but... Well, they said uh, Matt, Murdock Matt Murdock is out of town in Daredevil 21. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So, um, but yeah, Rhino tries to escape. They get him with sleeping gas, and then... They're like, he'll develop an immunity, which is exactly what he does. Not how tranquilizers work, but... 
I'm sure Stan didn't understand that. Maybe we didn't understand that back in the 60s. I don't know. Well, in the universe, in this universe, I guess that's how it works. Yep. It's going to be the new thing in this universe. I mean, it was the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, come on. It was the 60s, but somehow Peter only ages 10 years before. <laughs> Wasn't that our catchphrase the past, like, eight episodes? I forget it's been 10 months, but didn't some whack stuff happen? We're just, it's, I mean, it's. Mostly for their dialogue. They'll say, something, dialogue. They'll say something weird, and we're just like, hey, man, that's the 60s, which we'll get to that. Um, so, John Jameson, right, the spores, they finally have effect on him. He becomes just insanely strong, so strong that he can't stop his body from moving forward and breaking through walls and, and things of that nature. So um, they use Stark tech. Hmm. Right? That was the other crossover, yeah. Stark, yeah. Tony yeah. Stark, yes. Tony Stark uh, engineers, I don't think him himself, they, they make a suit in just a couple hours to pretty much weigh him down. Uh, still super strong, still insanely tough, um, and Jack now huge, um, but under control. Yeah, apparently the spores um, were from Jupiter where gravity is heavier. Right, that's what it was, is that gravity is heavy there, so... They're yeah, like, they're like it's evolved Jupiter. to be stronger because of Jupiter's gravity. I'm like, they're spores. They don't need strength. <laughs> like, <laughs> He'd be a normal guy on Jupiter. So if you put him back there, all our problems are solved. That's basically what happened, yeah. Now, I want to shout out uh, the next scene here. Gwen Stacy is wearing a headband. We just talked That's about great. this. And I, and I just looked down. She's wearing her headband. And, and she has one of my favorite moments of Gwen Stacy so far where she's talking to Flash and she goes, don't worry, my fatuous friend. And Flash just goes, fatuous? Like with question marks. And she's like, forget it. And like moves on. Like she says some big like smart. Like I don't, I don't know if fatuous is a word. I don't know what it means. So I kind of yeah, related with Flash there. <laughs> I, yeah, I, there's one of those words where I had to look up. I don't remember what I I have the dictionary. I have a little dictionary app for these moments. I could figure it out from context clues. Yeah, right. right. But I just loved him being like, fatuous. And she's like, forget it. Like, you're too stupid to understand. Foolish or insane. There you go. Especially in an unconscious, complicit manner. Silly. So, yeah, she. I I like that she kind of got that dig in on Flash. That was good. Um, And then immediately after that, John jumps spider-man and they fight and again it's kind of the same old classic comic book action at this point where they're fighting spider-man's throwing his one-liners his one-liners are funny i think actually one of his one-liners in these books was like actually made me laugh out loud i'm trying to see if i can find it yeah well a lot of this has the same stuff as the rhino he you know tries to web them snaps the webs he misses a hit, but then he hits one. He's like, he's, he's so strong. Oh, my God. It's, you know, it is the same type of stuff, but I still enjoy it. The art's amazing, obviously, John Romita. Right. I really, really like his art. I mean, it is definitely different from Dicko's, even though he's trying to mimic Dicko, and I can kind of see that in some things, but you can tell that, like, Spider-Man's getting more musk is much more muscular than he was in those first 38 issues. It's, it's a lot... His art is a lot more consistent, too. That's 100, yeah. Like, it's a, it looks a little like, uh, I don't know if cleaner is the right word. I, but. It is. It, it, it's, it's like you said, clearly mimicking Ditko's style, but like Ditko, we pointed out, there were some panels where we were like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, right, right. Like, Spider-Man had legs going in wrong directions. John Romita's feels a little bit more like 
consistent and and it like the bodies all look functioning <laughs> yeah exactly so they have this big old fight it's the same old thing wham pam boom you know thank you ma'am um he's really really tough fireman's dodging him and he finally gets him into this what chemical plant or it's a uh, what is it just a lab of some sort some kind a lab of, of some sort chemical yeah. plant of some sort and he gets him into these in between these two machines that um shock him with an electromagnetic field well no he has an electromagnetic field built into his suit and it causes a feedback with the generator and it just snaps him right back into into normal john jameson the spores out of his system which this is probably the moment that they'll end up coming back to and being like that actually made them turn you know into the man wolf slowly or whatever yes but yeah at the time it's just like oh he's cured now the end, which this reminded me a lot of issue 38. You remember the, like, movie actor that got, like, shocked on set and then, like, roided yeah. out? Kind, yeah. Kind of the same thing. He's just kind of roided out and aggressive and, like, fighting. But he's better now because of the, the electric magnetic field in the, in the in his suit. Right, of course. Yeah, right. Um, and then we get to the last page. The moment we've all been waiting for. The Sunday dinner. We talked about it leading up to this, the amount of times Peter was like, oh, I bet she's going to be ugly. And he she's had some ugly. good ones in this book. He goes, yeah. uh, uh, he's like, uh, I'm less excited to meet Mary Jane than I am the Hulk. And she probably looks like him, too. <laughs> like, <laughs> also, Peter almost forgets about the, the dinner as well. He's laying in bed like, I can't wait to do nothing on Sunday. I'm going to just chill out. I'm going to do this. And Aunt May's like, you're not even ready yet? What are you doing? He's like... I'm just chilling out. I'm going to get ready soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, um, I could never forget about that. But he's literally... Peter and Aunt May show up to Miss Watson, Watson's house. They're waiting for MJ to arrive because she has her own apartment, which is a big thing. Right. And Peter's thinking about Gwen, how she just, he just can't get him get, get her out of mind recently. And, and uh, there's a ring at the door. I have to point out one thing on this page. Mm-hmm. This is the nitpicker within me. On the last page of this issue, if you look at the first two panels, Peter's tie is yellow, and That's then red. his tie is red. That's oh, the inker right there. You gotta get at him. That's just I noticed that, and you know, if I was living back in 1966 or whenever this was, I'm sending a letter. I would send a letter, yeah. And you'll probably see it in a couple. Of, there'll probably be a letter in there, like um. His tie changed colors, and Stan's going to be like, like, what can you do? You can't do everything. Come on. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, silly, Peter. He changed ties between panels. Like, some joke like that. Yeah. But you've, but anyway, you've yeah. been building up to the moment. Right. There's a ring at the door. Uh, Miss Watson opens the door and says, Peter, I'd like, to meet, uh, I'd like you to meet my niece. He, a beautiful, shocked face in two panels, one close up from the side, as we see Full face Mary Jane, obviously the classic line, face of Tiger, you just hit the jackpot. And that's it. This next the rhino. This panel hurt right me page. a little bit. Why is that? Let me say. Given the current state of Spider Man comics. Oh yeah, that's all I could think about this whole this it, whole entire next this, issue. This panel hurt me because this is such a moment in Spider Man history. This is the moment like no one disagrees like as much as we're talking about wanting to see Gwen Stacy and Black Cat and all this stuff Mary Jane is the lowest lane to Spider-Man's Superman like she is his love interest his soulmate his end-all be-all partner 
And so seeing the beginning of that and knowing how historic that moment is, and then seeing how horribly they've fumbled the bag with the current Spider-Man comics. That's pretty horrible. What? That's rough. What do you think about how she looks? Uh, how she's drawn here? I mean, you Thoughts? got the classic black sleeveless tee. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's always wearing that. She got the bangs. Does she always have bangs? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I think she has bangs. I think maybe she loses those later, but for right now, you know. Well, in issue 300, she has that, like, wildly curly hair. Yeah, right. She gets super yeah. curly later, like, when Bagley and McFarlane are drawing her, but yeah, uh, very straight here. <sighs> got the iconic red hair, you know. Of course. I mean, that's just... What else can you say? She looks great, and Peter is floored and infatuated. And you I mean, was that's surprised. Mary Jane? Uh, and kind of transitioning over into issue 43, because obviously this, yep. this carries over into it, I was very surprised, and I think we mentioned this either earlier on this episode or before we started recording, how um, we hadn't really read the first Prince of Mary Jane before. I was surprised how like she's pretty much immediately like flirting with him. Oh, yeah. Like, I thought they were kind of just, like, not interested at first, and then things kind of just happened, but they're flirting right away. Yeah, they get into it in issue, 30, uh, 30, issue 43, mm-hmm. which is also the f- full return of Rhino. Yep. Amazing Spider-Man, Rhino on a Rampage. The kind of part three of this story and the last issue for this episode um, major bullet points, just to sum it up before we kind of dive into our thoughts. Um, yeah, Rhino breaks out of jail again uh, and goes on a rampage uh, trying to kind of uh, lure Spider-Man out. Meanwhile, Peter's over with Mary Jane, talking to her, hitting it off with her before uh, the Rhino appears on the television and he's like, oh no, I have to go deal with that. Um, and then he does, and that's basically the plot of the story. Interestingly... We've noticed a lot throughout the Spider-Man comics up until this point where, like, Peter trying to do things in his normal life gets interrupted by Spider-Man stuff. I felt like this was the one time he actually balanced it well. It was pretty cool to see that uh, change there. Instead yeah. of him just being like, uh, I gotta go, and the person being like, what the hell, man? Like, I, either you're weird, or you're a jerk, or something. I totally thought that was what was about to happen when Rhino showed up on TV. I thought he was gonna be like, oh, man, I gotta go, and then MJ's gonna be like, what a jerk, he just ran out on me. But yeah. instead, she is like, hey, what if we went and saw the rhino? And he's just like, all right, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. That's perfect. This is the perfect scenario for me. I think it's a, um, a bit of foreshadowing that they're kind of perfect for each other. Exactly. But she, right off the bat, is, as he describes, making everything feel like a party. Like, she turns music on and starts dancing, saying it's our song. Like, immediately is like, we're obviously not a couple, but, like, this is you and me right now. You know what I mean? She's the, um, she's the gal next door. You the know. big elephant in the room for me and you, uh, which we mentioned before we started recording, was her dialogue. Yeah. Other than the uh, the jackpot line, which is technically her first line of dialogue, we have such wonderful examples of language mm-hmm. as... See, let's just look at a couple. Let's see. PDO, you're right from Groovesville. Um, let's say we give the boob tube a whirl. Uh, I never thought, uh, let me see, uh, I never thought a tiger who wore his hair so short could be so dreamy, and you've got a bouncing bike too. Dad, you're the end. Mmm, you come on, strong son. 
And all this time, I was afraid you'd be the shy type. Uh, those crazy threads break me up. <laughs> I was having a hard time, like, translating what she was saying while I was reading It was like this. a different language. It was interesting. But, I mean, she's the party girl. She's hip. She's with it. And that's how they wanted to get it across. I really, like... I doubt anyone who was alive in the 60s is watching this video right now, but I really want someone to tell me, did people talk like this? Like, It would I, be incredible. I don't... It's, it's fully another language, and I'm like, I know that you know the people who are in the 60s are alive now here and how people our age talk, and they're thinking that we talk crazy. So I get it's just a generational thing, but like, Dad, you're the end. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Great! I bet Rhino is a real swinger. Come on now. <laughs> she calls she calls him a mad lad. You're utterly mad, lad. Very interesting, but yeah. So they zip away on um, Peter's uh, what did what she call it? a boob tube and <laughs> his motorcycle. And uh, obviously, we see a little scene with Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson talking about how. Um, Foggy was ready to represent the rhino, but he went and just escaped anyway, so whatever. Um, I do love how Matt is like... Because when I saw Matt Murdock, I was like, oh, he's back in town. Maybe this will be a Daredevil crossover. I didn't know that. And Matt's just like, I wish Daredevil could go after the rhino, but the web slinger deserves first crack at him. <laughs> like, do we have a superhero dibs system now? Like, <laughs> I, guess they, I guess I think they just really wanted people to go read Daredevil. Yeah, I guess. But so then you would think that they would have had Daredevil like fight like <laughs> i love that he's probably he's one of my favorite superheroes he's so. cool he's cool i, I, love, I, I uh, like I seeing him character yeah spider-man and daredevil um, are always a good combination 100 um so rhino's big thing in this issue is that spider-man was the one to do him in last time he needs to get a crack at spider-man and then once he's out of the way he can go back to doing whatever he needs to do aka um getting uh john jameson uh delivered where he needs to be delivered we also get uh, Rhino's origin story. Finally, he has a little flashback, and uh, pretty much what you expect, kind of. It's more of the usual. Yeah. Not, so crazy. he was just a big dumb idiot, pretty much as other um, painting him to be here. That was just kind of like, you know, a paid thug, if you will. Yeah. And they finally said, "Hey, we'll pay you um, to do these experiments." And they're literally just talking right to him. They're like, you're so, like, dumb that you're too dumb to betray, to betray us. You're also so dumb that you'll do anything for money, and that's exactly why we need you, just because you are so dumb. Like, that's literally how they are talking to this guy. But then uh, he's like, ah, oh, the experiments made me intelligent. But then he goes and is a super dumb, super <laughs> So he must have been so not smart. Yeah, uh, but he looks like a Frankenstein type out of the suit. Very interesting. Broad um, shoulders. Broad shoulders. He's got like a bowl cut. Um. Yeah, Frank. Very Frankenstein. He almost looks. If you look at the two panels oh. that are above each other of him out of the suit and him in the suit, he almost looks skinnier in the suit. He also kind of looks like the Hulk. A little bit. A little bit. I don't know. I like. Definitely. I mean, I love John Romita, but this early rendition of the rhino 
not the coolest looking guy. <laughs> like not the cool. It's cool in terms of a like a nostalgia of a concept and us, the, but... yeah. But like later renditions of Rhino make him just like really cool. Yeah, this is not one of those times. So this is a molecule adhesive, which will be part, which will be as much a part of you as a second skin. So it's a suit that is pretty much glued to this guy. It's attached to this guy, and it gives him the strength of a rhinoceros. Um, uh, and his first job that he got, he was like, okay, well, I am going to betray you guys because now I'm super smart because it's a rhinoceros costume. Everyone knows that. That's what happened. Obviously. Um, and then he's like, well, I'm going to go and make a fortune. And obviously he, he goes and I got the, guess got the job to uh, capture John Jameson. And uh, then we switch back to Spider-Man and Rhino round two. I have a new favorite uh, in this scene, a new favorite like non-main character line since um, this yeah. place is haunted. Yeah, which is, is the bystander in the audience just going, if I was in charge, I'd toss an A-bomb at him from the roof, which would just like level New York. It would level New York. <laughs> and the guy goes, if I was, yeah, if I was in charge, I'd drop the A-bomb on him. And the guy next to him goes, I guess that's why you're not in charge. Then, huh? <laughs> which was so funny. So, so random. Didn't need to be in there, but to put it in there, it was so perfect. It's just in the bottom of the panel. It's just like, I'd toss an A-bomb at it. And he's like, yeah, I'm glad you're not in charge. It's so weird. It's honestly <sighs> so good. So they, they fight again. Rhino's faster this time around. A little he's bit a little smarter. A little bit smarter. He does get put into what looks like a trash can or just some random barrel. Um, breaks out of that. Some good fighting scenes. Obviously, those um, sound effects are there again. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, apparently guns go crack when you shoot them. Guns do go crack when you shoot them. Uh, and um, and but they cannot, but they bullets cannot pierce. cannot pierce his hide, yeah. Bullets cannot pierce his hide. So, Spider-Man is still moving at times faster than the Rhino. So, the Rhino's like, I'm going to make you come to me. And so, he charges into the crowd that is watching this all go down. So we also did, so Mary Jane and Spider-Man uh, or Peter Parker go here to, to get a look at the Rhino. Spider-Man's like, all right, I'm going to tell her a part of the truth. I'm going to go take some pictures. You stay here. That's when he switches to Spidey. He ends up taking some pictures. Obviously he, he, he webs up a camera with a 10 second interval. Hmm. So it's snapping pictures every, every 10 seconds. Um, but he, Rhino charges into the crowd where Mary Jane is, where the cops are. And so this is all taking place in front of, Foswell, who is there on JJ's behalf to get some of this scoop, uh, which happens a little early in the issue. Right. And this is when the final showdown goes down. Ends pretty quickly. Spider-Man is saved by a cop. Yes, yeah, Spider-Man saved and, by and, a cop. And he's going, he's walking out all Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> he's back in the blue. <laughs> he literally says, he's like, someone should make a... a book about the police about the police like <laughs> but yeah so spider-man cracks rhino down but rhino gets up and just body slams this dude like hard and so spider-man can't get up there's a truck coming rhino gets distracted and like bodies the truck as the the driver jumps out and then the cops like i gotta go save this dude spider-man mm-hmm. i gotta go save spider-man he like times the cop is like the cop times his jump out of the way of the rhino's charge when he turns back around and charges him. And Rhino's just like, 
and all the debris that comes down in the smoke, right? I was like, oh, yeah, I just killed Spider-Man. I'm not even going to look back and look at what's going on. I'm getting out of here. The classic, like, Scorpion did the same thing. Yeah. Just like, oh, so yeah, they didn't even check if they got him or not. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, police. He gets out of there. Um, Peter's got his pictures. He almost drops his camera. Talking to Mary Jane. That went over pretty smoothly. He's pretty smooth with her, too. Um, and uh, makes a plan to see her tomorrow, which doesn't end up happening. But uh, makes a plan to see her again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then he go he uh, he finds a piece of rhino hide in some of the debris. And he says, this must be the way to, to, to be him. So he brings it to none other than Dr. Connor. Which, I did not even think about it when I was reading this issue. But Lizard comes back next issue. Yeah, for two issues, yep. And so I, I saw him show up, and I was like, oh, Kurt Connors, he's showing up out of nowhere. And then I didn't even think about the fact that st- he's setting up for the next story. Right. And there's even that moment where Kurt goes like, I wonder if the Lizard could stop Rhino. And Spider-Man's like, no, don't do no, it. not doing all that. <laughs> so they make a gizmo together, um, which ends up being inside of his webbing. Um, Rhino goes to try to get JJ's son again. Spider-Man has an inkling he would do that, so they meet up there as uh, Rhino smashing through um, hospital bed where uh, John Jameson is. Which I gotta shout out that panel. We're talking about John Romita's art. This panel where Spider-Man is like jumping in the window, mm. I, that's Pretty just awesome. so well drawn. I don't know the the positioning that he's in. I think looks really good. It's really awesome with Rhino in the background and the guns that yeah. will not pierce his hide. Of course. Um, and uh, he webs up Rhino. Rhino breaks the webs, but the webs never come off of him. They're sticking to him pretty well. And the webs with the gizmos in there end up melting the suit off of Rhino. And another art shout out. I'm just looking at these pages and yeah, I'm remembering the, the panel where Rhino's crashing out of the building. Where there's the red background, you have the lettering forming crash and like the silhouette of Rhino popping out. That's just so good. You start to really see John Romita kind of flexing his uh, art skills a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and then Rhino's naked. Rhino's naked. Spider-Man calls him ugly. The question is, is he stupid again? Probably. Yeah. He might have always been stupid. Maybe. I also... Just a bump out along. I did appreciate uh, a little peek behind the scenes of this comic book uh, when, at the end of page 19, Stan says, We got so wrapped up in this yarn that we counted the pages wrong. We thought this would be the end, but now we see we've another page to go. And then there's just one more page with a heck of a lot of text on it. <laughs> I, I will say before that, I really, really like the panel where J. John Jameson shows up to the you know the hospital and is ranting about spider-man spider-man's fault spider-man's fault and through the window spider-man's like you know saying bye to to uh john jameson he's like well you know in a whisper bubble well uh, well done web heaven he's like no sweat colonel yeah i like They're that just I like, really like that. give him a little head nod like yeah, yeah, yeah i got you you'll be the man wolf soon but you know yeah you you just tried to like you know attack me last issue but so i'm pretty sure it is the same suit it, or like the same type of green and yellow type I'm, of suit. I'm sure it'll be connected yeah so that's going to be cool to see. I'm excited about that. But yeah, we have a last page with a bunch of dialogue. So much dialogue. So first it's Gwen, Harry, and, and Flash. Flash. And we Flash find out getting, Flash is getting drafted. Getting drafted. They kind of make amends, Flash and Peter, but they're still he's still kind of bullying him. 
Is this so? I obviously know at some point in the Spider-Man comics, Flash is in the army. He loses his legs. That's like a whole arc, right? That doesn't happen like for a long time, right? I have no. I, I, there's no way he loses his legs. <laughs> That's what I mean, I'm that, saying. Like that doesn't happen for a while. So I assume he serves a couple of times or something. I feel like he would. Yeah, go back. Yeah, maybe because I saw he was drafted and I was like, I knew he was gonna join the army, but this seems soon. <laughs> like, but Flash is getting drafted, so I guess he'll be popping out of the book for a little while, and then Peter's back to kind of giving Gwen the cold shoulder because I think he's more interested in Mary Jane right now. It's gonna be interesting to see because obviously we know how that goes, where he ends up dating Gwen. Gwen definitely is looking more like I know Gwen. She got she, the headband on. She got the headband on. She's got a softer face than she's been having. Well, a little bit, a little soft. She's still scowling a little bit. She's still scowling, but it's it's getting better, slowly but steadily. Oh, and we end the comic with another wonderful Mary Jane line, uh, when Peter says, "Oh, something came up. I can't make it tomorrow night." She says, "That's okay, Tiger. I'll keep a stiff upper lip till you buzz me again." Here. So. Does that mean she? (laughs) I have no idea. Okay, I have no clue what that means, but does, it mean, does that mean that she won't shave her, like, upper lip? No, like, a stiff upper lip, like, I don't know, like, stiff is, like, I'm looking rigid. way too deep into this. I don't know, because that's really funny if it's what I think it is. It's, I don't know, and I mean, Peter says, oh, it sounds as though she couldn't care less, so I assume it's kind of like, ah, no sweat, I don't care, but, like, how's, I, I, that is slang beyond my understanding. I I only could I don't know I thought about it in a comedic way and I thought that I, you know what? but but yeah he, he cancels the date with MJ because he's so stressed out about Aunt May and like finance you know money and all that yeah she's um, sick again but she didn't buy her medication because she probably has money and he's like well I bought my new hot ride and I'm so entranced with these girls <clears throat> but that's and, how we end and, it. ending it on that classic Peter Parker note of like, why do I have such trouble managing my own life? You know, it's like I can do all of these amazing things, I can fight these super villains, but I can't balance my social relationships, which I think is part of that magic that makes Spider Man so good. Is that like, you know, they say that anyone can see themselves in the character because everyone struggles to balance their social relationships and their responsibilities and their finances. It's like, you read that and you're like, yeah, if I was a superhero, I'd probably have that same problem too. So yeah, it doesn't definitely... have a problem now. And I'm not a superhero. So exactly. I'm like, man, I wish I was a superhero. Then I could do that. Yeah. But I love it. It's amazing. It's relatable. Great couple of issues. Great couple of issues. If I had to rank the three of them, I'd say 42 is my favorite. I, Got that. 43 is probably my second favorite. And 41 is my last. I, I, I like them that. all. They're all, like, they're definitely not, like, bottom tier issues that we've read so far. Um, but 41 was definitely the weakest one. It was kind of just yeah. setting up the story. And then 43 was kind of closing out the story. But I feel like 42 was that kind of surprise highlight in the middle there. Um, I don't know. I don't, it really could go anyway between 42 and 43 because I do enjoy Mary Jane's, like, element in 43. I had a lot of fun with 43. I'm going to say 43, 42. 41 yeah be predictable um i just think mary jane carried 43 for me personally yeah uh, and it rose a little higher than 42 um yeah i might change my answer i might say 43 42 41 <laughs> so i nailed that because i said 42 43 41 i said eh, by the end of it, it'll be 43 yeah so i, I nailed mean, that with mary jane and everything it's like you gotta 
it's pretty amazing. And uh, instead of, we didn't do rankings each issue, forgot to do that. So let's just say, what's your ranking for these three issues altogether? Altogether? Seven and a half out of ten. I would, I would say about seven and a half. Yeah. Like, not quite a seven, but not quite an eight. Like, it's... Mary, the whole Mary Jane, Gwen, Betty, carried, carried these books. That's like it. I said. Like, Rhino, he's cool, JJ. but whatever. But, like, the soap opera element of, like, the romances and the social relationships and all of that is what made these, like, really interesting for me. Um, but yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. I think we went a little bit over 45 minutes, but you know, there's just a lot to talk about in these comic books. Yeah. But think, next uh... episode, I'm looking here, and I think it makes sense for us to dive into another three issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we will be doing 44, 45, and 46, which will feature the return of the lizard, which was Too foreshadowed bright. here, and the first appearance of Shocker. Very excited for that. A villain that you either love him or hate him. Maybe like a C-list villain, I think is fair to say. Yeah. Uh, so Sony will be making a movie for him any day now. He'll be a hero. Um. Oh, and before we close out here, I do got to make one shout out. Um. Obviously, uh, anyone who's watching this podcast probably went and saw Spider uh, Across the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man. I don't know if you noticed, but there were multiple water towers in that movie. I did not notice one water tower. I have to go back and I have to go back to the theaters. There were multiple water towers, and before I went to see that in theaters, I rewatched Into the Spider Verse. And at one point, at the end, when they're in the particle collider, and there's like all the dimensional stuff, like there's like buildings and buses and things floating around. I kid you not, if you watch closely, a water tower floats by in the background. So obviously, if you watch the first eight episodes, the water towers were a big character. Water There's towers so are towers. the most frequent side character in. We didn't Comics. had not had an episode in ten months, but every classic water tower I saw, I sent a picture to this man. Yeah, no, like um, I was in New York City a couple months ago, and saw as I was walking in Manhattan, an old time <laughs> water tower just like. In the, in the comics and i took a picture of it and i was like i'm living it i'm i'm him and i i noticed it in into the spider-verse and then i saw it in across the spider-verse and i knew i had to mention it here because we have had many conversations about the prevalence of water towers in the spider-man comics mm-hmm. and they they are featured in the spider-verse movies arguably the best Spider-Man and they're movies. and they're real they're still around today you go to you go to new york you can open see, your eyes a little you'll find a water you can tower. peek into the marvel universe yourself you can see Scorpion just smashing right through one of those. Yeah, or Vulture throwing him into one. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, <laughs> when else has he been near a water tower? All the time. All the time. He loves his water tower. But uh, yeah, any closing thoughts? Any? Uh... It's been I'm ten ex- months. So was there anything that you thought of that you wanted to mention? Um, I'm very excited for the coming issues. I think it's going to be very interesting run here from i think now to 100 the john ramita era we're about to get into like obviously the return of lizard first prince shocker craven and vulture come back then we get into kingpin and then we get doc ock again doc ock again like there is a lot like banger after banger coming so you don't want to miss it so if you are new here this is a podcast that we ideally do every week obviously it's been 10 months um <laughs> This is just a hobby, you know. We're trying out here. We're trying. We're trying our best. Um, but so hit that subscribe button or, you know, head on over to Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever the big places you listen to podcasts. 
Uh, you can follow us there. Uh, leave a five-star review, of course, mm-hmm. um, if they still do that. I don't even know. I think they do. Go ahead. Give us a review. And, uh, and uh, tell your friends. Yeah, tell, tell your, your friends. Tell your mom. J- tell your barber. JP told his physical therapist about it. Physical therapist. Podcast, so... You know, next time you're at the dentist, just be like, hey, you ever heard of Webhead's Comic Club? Oh, they love talking to you when you have every tool in existence in your mouth. Just start blabbing on about Webheads. Yeah. Just let them know. Just say, hey, I saw this podcast. They're reading every Spider-Man comic ever made. Ever made. Now, there there may be 10 months in between each episode, but <laughs> tell you, it's going to be a... They're not the most consistent podcast. I hope we have a string of 10 months from here on out where we do the podcast. Yeah. And think about it, if we hadn't gone on that 10-month hiatus and had done an episode every week, we'd probably be at, like, Black Cat by now. That's crazy. We'd be pretty far. We de- Gwen Stacy would definitely be dead. Oh, Gwen Stacy would be six feet under, bro. Yeah. So so stick with us as we get there. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, socials are on the screen there, obviously. Uh, you can see, go follow him on Instagram, YouTube. I think I have TikTok, Twitter, and everything else on there. Um, is it is it funnier if we don't mention the giant Squidward in the, in, in the background? <laughs> uh, what Squidward? You're right. It blends to the walls pretty well. $10 on Amazon, one of my best purchases ever made. Great quality, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah, I have my, uh, I was mentioning right before we started recording, the last episode was 10 months ago, and I think my sh- hair was, like, here, and I had, like, four comics here, so there's been some changes uh, since then, but hopefully we'll see you guys again soon. Thanks for watching. Peace. Peace.